1: Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Week with Joel, Kim, and Chris. On today's Tour Catch Up, brought to you by the UTS Grand Final. Novak Djokovic seals the year end number one ranking. Canada triumph at the Billie Jean King
2: Cup. And we speak to Patrick Moritoglu ahead of the UTS Grand Final in London.
1: Kim, chris today is the 14th of november and we are here to catch up on the week in tennis at tennis weekly hq the atp tour finals are underway in turin canada are your billy jean king cup champions and jack draper has reached his first ever atp tour final very very exciting the end the end of the season is nearly in sight which i guess means The next season is also on the horizon as well. We've got uh, Davis Cup finals in Malaga coming next week. We've got the next gen finals as well. We're excited because we're actually going out to Malaga as a three. Little bit of holiday, little bit of uh, let's watch GB and see how they do in the final eight. But guys, it's been very exciting because on top of all of that to come, uh, we've had a little bit of a a special guest, haven't we? Uh, Arrive at Tennis Weekly HQ over the last week. Are you referring to your moustache, Joel, or an actual guest? Kim, that's exactly uh, like who I man. was referring to. Joel 2.0. It's so pronounced that it does deserve its own like identity, I feel.
3: Yeah, Joel, If any listeners, Joel seems to be doing some sort of Movember challenge. Uh, although you've shaved your beard, you've just left your moustache, so...
1: I'm going through facial hair crisis, Kim. I first had a goatee, now I've just got moustache... What what's next? What is the
2: game plan? Maybe this is teeing up for the perfect Brita broad costume. Maybe that's what we're going for. Just looking <laughs> truly crazy in Malaga next week.
3: Well, I'm glad you didn't quite have this this facial hair for our guest who you did speak <laughs> with last week. Um, how was that, Joel? Do you want to reveal some details? Yes,
1: I mean we had on the show super coach and mastermind behind. The UTS Concept Ultimate Tennis Showdown. We had Patrick Muratoglu onto uh, onto the show, which was fascinating. We got a 12-minute interview with him. He was very, very nice. He was very, very charming. And we're going to actually have that interview in our second half. And it's definitely not one to miss. And we also have a competition uh, running from Tennis Weekly to go to UTS Grand Final in London at the Excel Arena. So, yeah, it's very, very exciting. You've got your own chance uh, to be there for the final some great players playing already jack draper is going to be there caspar rude's going to be there Gail Monfils is going to be there so uh yeah definitely stay tuned for the second half we're basically yeah.
2: following jack draper around now we're following him to malaga then we're following him to uts i feel like by the end of this hopefully he'll know who tennis weekly are
3: he'll be sick of the sight of us but um probably yeah joel fantastic fantastic um fantastic interview last week and listeners yeah look forward to uh Listening to that one later, I think he also, you shared a fashion fashion sense with him. Yes. He was commenting on your jumper, was yes, that right? Yes,
1: I wore my, I, I was like, oh, well, what do you wear? What do you wear for Patrick? I don't know. So <laughs> I put on my Castor blue jumper. I made sure, obviously, to have Tennis Weekly merch the, in the background. But yeah, he complimented me on my jumper and he said, I have uh, one of those as well. So I feel like I've already got some, uh, I've got some good style in. Even if my mustache perhaps says a little bit differently,
3: so both of you have had compliments from the tennis world (laughs) on your am Really sorry about that. Yeah, hopefully someone in Malaga says, "Yeah, they like your summer
2: (laughs) dress or something."
3: (laughs) My summer dress.
2: (laughs) Well, on the subject of fashion, Joel, fashion is a hot topic. We're now a fashion Mm. podcast because at the ATP Finals, I'm not sure if you guys saw this, but Stefanos Tsitsipas debuted. Um, A 4,000 euro poncho for his outfit of choice. Um, And I just think, we were talking about this the other week, you know, we need to follow the Sitsa passes around because this is gold. He looked like, I mean, he looked like he was a... Tennis Jesus. He he looked like
1: tennis... He genuinely, he was walking the streets of Turin as some sort of disciple, I feel.
2: Um, It did feel like that. And um, I did find out where you can buy this, Joel. So maybe this would go really nicely (laughs) with your moustache um it's from a brand called lorno piano so if you would like to purchase that for 3800 euros so you can get that jesus look all you have to do joel is just kind of grow out the hair and
1: you've got the full outfit down again we could do this it's it's what the tennis weekly crowd fund you know was made for obviously um yeah yeah exactly (laughs) i mean that's a
2: really good use of um listener funds but I've, if you've seen the picture i mean everyone else went quite safe we saw bomber jackets um a couple of granddad collars maybe at the most exciting and then boom there you had him um in his poncho so
1: personally i don't I know quite, what, I, I like I it i liked it i yeah, actually thought I it added like gravitas and it's you in know made a big deal the surroundings. Of, of the event he looks the most to me he almost looks the most celebrity of them um mm. he
2: does but I have to say, well, Carlos is in red. Does that mean he's going to win? That was my question. Ooh. Well, is it doesn't he look that good so far, does it? it yeah. doesn't look good so far. Maybe not undefeated, but maybe
1: he'll edge his way through. I do think Sissipas with the poncho is at one end of the scale. And then right next to him, Holger Runa, he's just turned up in white trainers, jeans and a black top. It's on the complete other end of the of the fashion spectrum, I feel. Yeah, he we've he looks seen it all, um, haven't we?
2: In these a, 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 uh, ATP basic. and WTA points, yes, it is. Yeah, I think he just style. got off his flight. Maybe it just looks Perhaps. like he didn't get yeah. the memo. <laughs> there was a dress yeah. code for WTA, though it clearly was not for ATP.
3: I think Yannick Sinner looks quite smart. I think him and Sitspass have dressed the most appropriately for the venue. You know, you mm. look at the backdrop; it's very ornate, and I think those two have have brought the most style. Not sure bomber jackets really go with that surroundings, uh, but. Mm. Perhaps Djokovic and Alcaraz got a memo that no one else did.
1: Wait, I think I've got it. Is it the red and blue group? Is that what was going on there? Oh, Oh, it
3: might be actually, yeah.
1: But then what group is Tsitsipas in? He's in the poncho group. Well, yeah, exactly. Is he in the poncho group? Are they all in their own groups? But yeah, it must must be something to do with the the group colours, I feel. Uh, there we or go or maybe
3: we're just reading way too much into it but um... <laughs> maybe we should move the on the analysis <laughs> continues <laughs> yes I mean we will be getting on to that um, in a bit I just wanted to throw in something um, completely unrelated to Turin and the ATP finals um, but personal highlight of-, of the week was that Sabine Lisicki has won a tournament again a professional tournament uh, out in Calgary she won the the W60 final, so yeah it's ITF not WTA of course but she has finally won a title again of any sort on the professional circuit after nine years, which is a long time coming and uh, really nice to see. And she's just had knee reconstruction surgery and obviously immediately got this, this win beating Stacy Fung in three sets to get the title. So, I mean, this is probably just the very, very start of, of hopefully something bigger. But we'll be keenly watching her to see if she can... Uh, make any inroads back up onto the wta circuit after she this really one.
2: deserves it doesn't she she's had such a tough time and i think she was um messaging with del potro about some of the knee issues that they've both had and it's just really kind of brought an end to both of their careers so seeing her pick herself up and get back out there i think it just shows how much she loves the sport and she is super loved by everyone who gets to see her so let's hope that we get to see more of her next year and this is just the beginning of something as you say Kim
3: yeah I mean it would have been quite understandable if she just completely retired with all the injury problems so the fact that she's still going is just testament to the fact that she's such a great a great fighter and personality and yeah let's see let's see where she ends up but that's a, I thought it was a really nice note that she's kind of I guess ticked that box before the end of the year um And, yeah, talking of the end of the year, obviously loads going on, as Joel alluded to. Uh, We've got quite a lot to cover today. Um, Obviously, Turin is underway. We aren't just talking about what they're wearing. There are some results on court to talk about. Um, Alcaraz has lost his first match. So that bomber jacket wearing the red hasn't put him off to a good start so far. He lost in three sets to Sasha Zverev. And then has kind of come out saying the courts are playing really, really fast. Um... We've never, you know, played in conditions like these during the whole year. Is, is he making an excuse with, with talking about the court, do you think, for the fact that he lost his opener?
2: It's quite unlike Carlos to complain about things, um, would be my take. I think if you look at some of the numbers, um, the serves are almost unreturnable. So maybe there is something about the bounce and the fact that it is going quickly because Zarev hit 16 aces and Carlos hit 10, which is pretty unusual for them both to hit those sort of numbers. Um, both won a lot of points behind their serve. Um, Zverev won 73% of first serve and 80% of second serve, which kind of implies that that second serve was kind of picking itself up um, and kind of bouncing very kind of quickly, um, rushing Carlos. So I think the numbers do imply that... um, that maybe it was quick. But it's the same court for everybody. So it will suit some players. The end of season championships, we know with Rafa, I mean, they never they never really suited him, the surface. So you can't have it all, I would say. And um, he's still got a chance to go through. So maybe I'd focus my attention there.
1: It's interesting he said, we never play in conditions like these during the entire year. That just makes you think there should be more fast indoor hard courts um on the tour i feel like we actually have too many slow uh you know slow hard courts and um yeah it's not to everyone's liking i feel it certainly is to sasha Zverev's liking but carlos alcaraz having a tough time but it does seem that the court is lightning quick this year i mean he didn't play it last year so he's not really had any experience of Turin as well. So I think that perhaps is a factor. But yeah, we've had some really decent matches so far. I mean, I watched a little bit of Novak Djokovic, Holger Runa. Their rivalry, it just always goes to three sets. I feel like it always delivers. It was a real, it was a real tough tussle, I think, for for Djokovic as his, you know, as, as his first match. And and Runa, like before and like Paris, he, he wasn't really that far away. I thought it was incredible.
2: I was watching that um, and I just thought, one of the best matches I've seen this year. And I think, if anything, maybe the speed of the court made that match a bit more electric because I think it's great seeing, you know, Holger, he has qualified and he isn't kind of doing the classic Joel, bore your phrase and making up the numbers. He really brought it to Novak Djokovic and he could have, he could have edged that, you know, that could have gone either way. The fact that that was a three hour match also makes me think that the court can't be like unbelievably quick because three hours um, is a pretty long match. Um, So I would say, it's hard hard to gauge but i mean holger you have to think this boris partnership yeah i was seems gonna say is this the boris effect
1: is this the boris effect because because he kept looking at his box towards the end and there was that real sense of belief right until you know right until the end um and uh, he seems very very motivated um he seems yeah it seems to be going well and uh it doesn't feel like he's far away and it doesn't seem like those physical niggly issues that we've seen surface, um, you know, in his game on, on court, particularly in the last couple of months, are there either.
2: Yeah, I mean, he t- certainly caused Djokovic some problems. Did you see the two racket smashes from Djokovic? Mm. That was pretty I Don't see epic. those
3: too often. I mean, when when we do see them, we know he's got a bit riled. So if anyone can do that to Djokovic, then... Uh, you know, that's, that's helpful to right. their cause. <laughs> um, I mean, in the other matches, they were more straightforward, weren't they? Sinner defeating Tsitsipas in straight sets and Medvedev dispatching Rublev in straight. So, um, yeah, kind of a, a mixture at the moment of, of the tennis we've seen so far in Turin. Djokovic has incidentally secured the year-end number one yet again, um, an eighth time, which is a record. So another record broken or extending his own record, I should say, um, is, is Djokovic there. So, yeah, we look forward to the rest of the week out in Turin and we'll be updating everyone on our catch up next week and we'll see who's who's going home with that title. Um, but in other news, we've had uh, the Billy Jean King Cup finals in Seville uh, last week, which have also, well, they've now finished and Canada have won their very first Billy Jean King. Cup did cycle. you predict
1: that, Kim? I can't. I can't remember. I can't remember from all the times you've said uh, on our I, WhatsApp group. I can't remember either. You have to remind us, Kim.
3: Yes, I think I did. I think you asked me to to plump for one country, and I kind of went, "Oh, I think Canada could do well," <laughs> last week. So I'm quite chuffed about that. Leila Fernandez, I think, stealing the show, uh, playing amazing tennis this week to get um, you know some solid wins, especially in that semi final over Czech Republic, but also a, a kind of new story. In the final, St- Stakusic um, sort of upsetting Trevisan to get um, to get a very sort of uh, you know topsy turvy rankings win um, to get a, a vital rubber in the final. So Canada beating Italy in the final, uh, two rubbers to, to zero. They didn't bother playing the uh, the doubles, of course. But yeah, Joel, what did you make of of Canada's week at the Billie Jean King Cup finals?
1: I mean. Canada are in rude health I feel at the moment in, in team competitions because they are now both the reigning Davis Cup and Billie Jean King Cup champions uh, come you know come what may next week um, in Malaga so it just shows that their, their pedigree um, in this format across you know the men's and women's events and this week they played such good tennis and I think you look at players like Leila Fernandez. And Stakusic as well. They just upped their levels. I feel you know. I think Fernandez has had a strong end to the season, but um, I think you put her in this environment when she's playing for her country against some really big names. I feel like she always has a you know almost like a point to prove, and we've seen her perform on the biggest stages, getting to a you know Grand Slam final when she. You know, was defeated by uh, you know Radicanu all those th- three set victories and um I genuinely feel like it's an environment that she thrives in and she would I think she would do well to kind of try and take this you know mindset that she has um in these team competitions and take them to the tour because I still feel like she's been a little bit out in the wilderness you know this season but hopefully yeah this can this can help her kick on and and start the new season with this momentum and and see where it takes her and i saw in the canada team eugenie
2: bouchard the pickleball player um made i was appearance. confused
1: about that because yeah early in the season she she had announced herself as like, i'm joining the pickleball uh pickleball tour or, or whatever it is in in the in the states and then yeah she's she's still she's still a tennis player she's still playing doubles with um you know gabby dabrowski and they they pulled out some pretty decent victories and I was thinking with, with Bouchard, I genuinely thought, you know, maybe even she thought herself that she would have been making up the numbers in this team. But um, she came out with some pretty decent victories in partnership with Dabrowski.
2: Dabrowski a good partner to have, though, this season. That's for sure. You know, winning the US Open, WTO finals.
3: She's had a great season, hasn't she? Gabby Dabrowski and, you know, her first women's doubles Grand Slam this year. See, winning three doubles um matches en route to this title and, and also getting to the end of season finals. So fantastic, you know, and yeah, I mean, she I mean, it's nice that Bouchard's come back, clinched a team title, you know, that's probably quite Got a bonus a jacket. for her. Got a jacket. <laughs> um and Rebecca Marino also part of the squad as well. But yeah, Fernandez, I mean, I think you know, it's she's really stepped up this week and, and shown us what she, she can do and um Stakusic as well. For her, she's she's not played on the WTA Tour this year. She's ranked 258 in the world. Um, and, you know, she upset Martina Trevisan, who's, I think, 50-odd in the world. So that's 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 fantastic for her. Um, she said it was the best week of her life. And I'm, I'm not surprised. I would imagine it would
1: be uh, in terms of her professional life. Fernanda showed, I think, what she can do on a singles court and a doubles court. I mean, as you said, Kim, in that semi-final... Uh, I think what she defeated von Vondrusova in the singles and then went on to the doubles court against Krychikova and Sinyakova and got the job done. Interestingly though, Krychikova and Sinyakova after this, the fallout, the doubles fallout, the the exodus of partnerships continues because uh, it sounds like from Czech press that Krychikova and Sinyakova aren't going to play tennis together on tour next season. So, I mean Chris, they join a list of, of other pairs as well. We've spoken about Kulhoff, Skupski, Hunter, Mertens, potentially Townsend Fernandez. We'll have to wait and see on that one. But what is it with, with these big these big time partnerships, slam winning quality partnerships? all going to dust at the moment
2: yeah i mean the only one i can kind of understand is hunter and mertens because mertens has that phenomenal record of reaching the double two finals five (laughs) years in a row with five (laughs) she's a gun for hire
1: she just wants a different partner each season
2: she wants to keep it going so she wants a factory reset every season (laughs) and i think probably hunter who finished the year at number one um it's quite an odd one to to not end up playing with your partner after that but they didn't win a major and i think that could be a reason there um, rumors are that uh, Townsend might be playing with uh, Haddad Maia in the doubles. They were uh, they're very good friends. So that could be possible. But for Kujica and Sinyakova, you feel like they've had so much success that it might be at the point now where if they aren't getting the results that they want, they can focus on the singles because they, they've both been putting together some solid singles years. But at the same time, maybe a year focusing on the singles wouldn't be a bad thing. But Kujica loves tennis. So I probably think she's going to be looking for another partner. So... It'd be interesting to see who she plays with next year.
1: I mean, the the the, the noises coming out of of Czech press are that Sinyakova was the one who instigated the conversation and was like, "I think we should take some time off." Um, there is still hope that you know they played with each other for um, you know for the Olympics next year. But are you surprised that it, it sounded like Sinyakova instigated it rather than Krichikova?
2: A, l- a little bit, but I do think that focusing on the singles for Sinekova does make sense because she's always been around number 40 but never really pushed further than that and we've seen her upset Naomi Osaka at the French Open we've seen her get these big wins Um, she can do a lot of damage on the singles court so maybe she's just looking to see what she can do um, if she dedicates herself to singles but I mean they're still great friends and um, we hope to see them partner up at the Olympics Um, and maybe we'll see some more teams like Hunter and maybe Ellen Perez might team up we might see um maybe a garcia nadanovic they were playing together again this week so uh, it is always fun when it's an olympic cycle but it does mean people do tend to get <laughs> binned off for someone from their own country
3: yeah they chop and change quite a bit don't they i'm quite sad about cool and skupski uh
2: I think, I think i can't they're, understand they're team. yeah
3: but i mean hey let's see what happens <laughs> um, but yeah canada billy jean king cup champions well done to them um and they well we'll have to see if they can reclaim their their Davis Cup title uh, but they should just enjoy holding both titles for the next week or so until that happens um we also did have some reg- regular ATP uh tour events happening as well uh which very much was the battle of the french number ones uh because we had Adrian Manorino out in Sofia uh, clinching the title and we also had Hugo Humbert in Mets uh, clinching the title so great week for French players on the tour let's start in Sofia. Adrian Manorino coming through in three sets over Jack Draper in the final um I mean it's great that Jack Draper got there. It's great that he's um you know got to got to the final. He he had just won a challenger event the week before, so he was kind of looking to extend his his winning run. Um but yeah, Manorino, very experienced getting the job done 6-3 in the third set. I mean he's been having a great season as well, this is his third title of the year. Um and for a, for a player of his age, 35, he's um I mean he's really demonstrating his 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 experience with that that win over Draper there.
1: Yeah, I mean Manorino has been so impressive this season to think what he's doing as a 35-year-old on the tour that is not that is not easy and you know going into this final I think Jack Draper and a lot of GB fans thought that you know this was his moment it's bubbling up nicely with um, you know the Davis Cup finals to come in, in Malaga but uh, yeah Manorino, he's just such an awkward player to face um you know on the on the tennis court and it just shows with all the experience that he has he really is i think peaking at a time when a lot of other players seem seem to find it hard to get back up to you know the the very top i mean he's just outside i think the the top 20 which again it's just incredible given given his age
2: yeah he'll finish the year at 22 and we can update you now on the battle for the french number one officially it came down to the both finals if one player won the final and the other one lost, they'd be the number one. But they both won, which meant that Umber finished at number one at 20 in the rankings. And there was just 10 points between them. So, I mean, that is remarkable. And sandwiched between the two of them was Francisco Serendula, who was just five points either side. So um, it couldn't have been tighter in that sense. But you have to think, I mean, he's only a few points uh, behind, you know, Cam Norrie. Um, and it just shows how lucky we were, um, you know, to edge uh France in that tie because if they played Manorino in the singles it could have been a different story so i think that is um a testament to just how how well they're doing despite not having all that much form um at different times during the year
3: yeah and Hugo and bear winning in metz he beat uh, alexander shevchenko 6-3 6-3 um, to get a title, obviously it's his home country. He's clinched that year-end French number one, um, but it, not you know. D- despite that, this is his first title on the tour in about two years. So uh, it's been a long time that he's actually been uh, in the winners' circle. And when it comes to finals, he he hasn't lost one yet. Um, so <laughs> very impressive from from Umber. And I feel like he has been a bit in the wilderness the last couple of years, but getting back up to 20 in the world, I think that's a really good start um, to next year, you know, finishing the season in this way, if he can build on that going into to next year. Um, yeah, debuting in the in the top 20 here. And Shevchenko, a bit of an unknown quantity, I think, really. So um, I think that will, you know, it's good to see him kind of making his way through uh, because I'm not going to lie, I don't know too much about Alexander Shevchenko
2: hmm he's in the top 50 now he's going to finish the year at 49 i saw him play uh, in Bostar. he he's quite a fiery character on the court um and i think that's what makes him a bit of a, a fan favorite for some people because he he definitely uh wears his heart on his sleeve let's put it that way so i'm sure this is a great result for him and like why not you know uh put him in the in the final in the mix for some of these lower titles because he is kind of the next generation of, of russian tennis
1: Did we notice that in the Mets tournament, in the quarterfinals, we had uh, the same nation play each other in each of the quarterfinals? We had Fonini, Sonigo, all Italian, Umber, Mayo, all French, Shevchenko, Kachinov, all Russian, and then Van Asch, Herbert, all french
3: oh i Does did not know did it's you notice
1: stu- that just stu- now no I've, i was i was reading it earlier earlier on in, in the week and uh yeah it doesn't i don't feel like that happens too much nowadays on the tour i think it happened more like back in the day like at the australian open when it was just it was just basically australians that, that played it or or on the challenger circuit perhaps in in america or, or south america where it's just mm. loaded with um you know um, Americans or or Brazilians or Argentinians yeah exactly but uh, on the ATP circuit yeah I don't think that happens too often I mean one of the reasons it did happen was um, Stan Vavrinka suffered a really nasty looking injury I think to his ankle um, against Van Ash. so uh, we wish him all the best but uh, yeah pretty interesting (laughs) interesting how it always kind of turns out I feel like you can always guarantee though a French winner in a French tournament
3: Yeah, I mean, talking of home nations, though, obviously Draper getting to that final um, in Sofia. He was actually, I think, the youngest British person or British man, I should say, to reach a tour final since Andy Murray did it back in two thousand and nine at the same age. Uh, Murray, some news on him. He has split from Ivan Lendl for a third time. Is that right, Joel? Yeah. Uh, But what's the reason behind this one? Behind this, this third third time split
1: I think I think it's just you know the it's just the right time I think it looks like Andy Murray um you know he's is, is continuing next season we've already seen him seen him announced um you know for a, t- for a tournament down under so you know he is soldiering on but um you feel like this is the time where it's not been as fruitful and as successful this time round. and um you know, Fandy Murray, I think you know, we've seen him cut a frustrated figure more often than not, um, when he stepped onto the court over the last few months on the tour and uh you know, something's not working there and um it's it's time to move on. I don't know if this means that he'll get another coach in or he'll rely on who he's got, you know, in his camp still, um, at the moment. But um yeah, I guess it's a little bit sad, a little bit kind of nostalgic given all the achievements that they've, you know, shared together. It's just unfortunate, I think, you know, with this this third entry um into their partnership, it couldn't have been as fruitful maybe as they they had hoped.
3: And British tennis, Joel, you were at the um Billie Jean King Cup tie playoffs. between great playoffs, britain and yes. sweden the playoffs at the copper box in london some of our listeners will have been there as well how was your experience what did you think of team gb when we got the job done 3-3 three, three rubbers to 1 after losing that opener what did you make of the team's performance
1: yeah it was uh <laughs> we got off to a bit of a shaky start i think with um you know jodie burridge uh, on debut it was just fascinating you know she spoke about in press conference the fact that this was playing for her team and not playing as an individual on the tour and it's a, just a completely different kettle of fish I know I know we spoke Chris about the fact that just rankings go out the window in in Billy Jean King Cup you know we saw that in Can- with Canada you know at the very top level and we saw that in the in the GB versus Sweden tie but um Bolta you know she's the bedrock of the team she you know had no trouble with with her opponents and there was a part of me that does wonder what would have happened if Bjorklund and Peterson had played because I think you know Sweden came. Sweden came to play. They were they were no pushovers, and although GB got the job done, I think there's there's certainly going to be harder opponents to come. I think the qualifiers are next. April but yeah it was a fun fun couple of days out I'm not gonna lie <laughs> me included some of the press we were watching the Jack Draper ATP final um as well so uh a multiple
2: screen experience
1: exactly, there Joel, welcome exactly. to the club I love doing that
2: <laughs> I'm watching a challenger at the moment you know an ITF somewhere
1: yeah so uh it was uh it was a little bit like let's watch this in the press room let's go up and watch some live tennis as well so um it was a good experience overall and it was great also to see jam-packed crowd both days 5,000 plus in watching some live tennis in the UK
3: Yeah, fantastic. Well, well done Team GB. At least we kind of live to fight on in the the top tier. So that's great. And uh, we're going to take a very quick break now, but do join us in the second half where we'll be discussing the WTA tour calendar for 2024, uh, new rules for this year's next-gen finals. And you'll also be able to hear our interview with super coach and UTS mastermind, Patrick Muratogaloo, ahead of the grand final in London in December. So do not go
1: anywhere. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with UTS.
3: And Tennis Weekly is proud to be the official podcast of the UTS Grand Final in London.
2: UTS is the world's newest, most exciting, innovative tennis league, playing an entirely reinvented game format that does away with traditional tennis rules.
1: And the UTS Grand Final is coming to London's Excel Arena from the 15th to the 17th of December.
3: The Grand Final features the players who have won the UTS events from around the globe, guaranteeing the best of the best will be competing for the title in London.
2: Already confirmed a top player such as Andre Rublev, Gael the Month Montfice,
3: Casper, the Iceman Rude,
1: with more players to be announced, including a local wildcard. So if you are looking for the ultimate day out in London in the run up to Christmas, then secure your tickets to the UTS Grand Final now. Session passes
3: start from £31 and day passes from just £51 for a guaranteed six matches.
2: Go to www.uts.live for more information or use the link in the description to purchase your tickets now. We look forward to seeing you there.
3: welcome back to the tennis weekly podcast brought to you by the uts grand final and now we're going to move on to a uh, par for the courts i think which chris has prepared nicely for myself joel and our listeners um what have you got for us this week chris
2: well i thought you know let's do a team competition joel is re- i mean he is probably the number one fan of the Billie jean king cup at this point absolutely i mean missing the seville um edition i had sleepless nights chris yeah, because, I mean, you had to choose Malaga because the Brits were there. But <laughs> I mean, some of your, your favourite moments have been watching um, some of the late night doubles in a dead rubber um, at oh. the Billie Jean King Cup.
1: So, so I, I, thought- gen- I still say genuinely some of my favourite experiences of the podcast are me and you. It well when we went to Prague and uh, Timea <laughs> yeah. Byszynski walked past us down the street and uh we watched yeah we watched 10 it, we watched doubles past midnight uh with about three other people use that <laughs> Tamea knowledge Bechinsky walking yeah, past that your was, street that was
3: honestly <laughs> Genuinely happened.
1: one of the
2: craziest things that doesn't things. take you
3: a lot to please joel then does it <laughs> well it was it was
2: where we were staying and i walked out the door and i said that was to Baczynski, and joel was like you know what it was and we just thought we're in it you know we're surrounded by You've the King Cup, you know, so we didn't chase her down the street,
1: but you can use that knowledge. The only annoying thing was it sort of dawned on us like 20 seconds after she had walked past us. Um, it was a bit late, but I was like, I know, I know that face,
2: but she was there supporting <laughs> Switzerland that year. And yeah. Um, yeah, she did a great job, but we can talk about Tomei Bachinski forever. I mean, I'd happily talk about some <laughs> of her, her semi-final finish at Roland Garros, but we are going to be looking at... Um, which nations have won the Biddy Jean King Cup? There are 13 nations that have won it. And I would like you to do a back and forth um, where you have to each give a name. And then the rules are, which we were told by a listener, that someone if someone gets one wrong, the next person has to get it right to really put the nail in the coffin. So we're doing a back and forth. um, And I can give you... I can give if if we need a little bit of help, I can give you a few clues if we start to get a little bit stuck. But I think you'll do better than you think you will. Um, Canada was the thirteenth, so I'm looking for twelve names because whoever goes first, that's too much of an advantage to say Canada. And
1: this is this is obviously Fed Cup, Billy Jean King w- re- yes. name. It's blood, not since yeah. it
2: started two years ago. Okay, <laughs> that had not been. 13 <laughs> was like, yeah, that would
1: be winners. impossible. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's a bit like um, you know a TV show where there's 15 series in one year. No, no, no. This is. Um, from 1963 to 2022.
1: Wow. Only 13 years hey. since 1963. Okay. Yeah.
2: It's 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 a tricky Domination.
1: one. Okay. Who's Who starting wants, off yeah. then? Joel? Will,
2: Joel, you can start because you're so passionate about the BJK okay. Cup.
1: United States of America.
2: That is correct. They've won it 18 times, most recently in 2017.
3: Uh, France.
2: Another correct answer. They've won it three times.
1: Russia.
2: RTF, formerly the Soviet Union and Russia, have won it five times.
3: Australia.
1: Oh, I was going to say Australia.
2: That's a very good answer. They actually won it seven times between 1964 and 1974. A real domination there.
1: Surely Czech Republic. Is that your final answer?
2: Yeah. The Czech Republic, formerly Czechoslovakia, have won it 11 times.
3: Switzerland.
2: Switzerland have won it once. They won it last year. Ooh. This is getting tough now.
1: Oh, yeah. I was going to say uh, Switzerland. Um, I'm going to say... Oh, we haven't said Spain, have we? We have not said Spain. Would you like to say Spain? I'm going for Spain.
2: That's a fantastic answer. They won it five times in the 90s.
3: Well done. Um, I'm going <laughs> to go say. S-
2: Navarro retired there in yeah, front she of like did, five yeah. people with video. But, Kim, you didn't say Spain. Do you feel like you missed. You missed. Uh, you well, dropped the ball there?
3: Yeah, maybe I um, I was just going for more recent years, I suppose. Yes. Um, how about Germany? Because surely Steffi Graf would have taken her team to a title.
2: Germany were taken to two titles with Steffi Graf.
1: Oh, I was going to say Germany. That is annoying. This is getting very tricky. So we're equal. We're still equal at the moment. Um, I'm going to go with... Four names left, I think. Oh, four names. I d- I'm not confident in this answer. And I don't know. I just don't know if, if they would have done it. But I feel like they've got enough people, enough players, enough pedigree. Italy...
2: Italy is a correct answer. They won it four times in 2006, 2009, 2010, and 2013. Wow. So they also had a period of domination. So Kim, to stay in it, it's getting tough now. Oh, and I, I can tell you, yeah. if it makes you feel better, that all of the nations left have only won it once. So this is okay. And I think I've got ones. another answer,
1: Kim. I'm, I think I've got another answer. Don't listen I've to got him, Kim. Two
3: that I'm debating Ooh, between. Okay
2: you normally go for the um, wrong one at this point kim <laughs>
3: oh i've got i just suddenly thought of another one. Oh gosh um i mean oh, i don't want to say this because i feel like i should know if this is true or not but great britain have we won it ever
2: once I have to tell you that's an incorrect answer. Oh no!
1: <laughs> oh, yes. But, yes!
2: But it's nice that you believe in our Billie Jean King Cup I team so much. I thought we might have done
1: it
3: once like back in, in the, the, the day. In the Sue, Sue
2: Barker, Virginia Basically. Wade years. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Well, why didn't we win it? It feels like we should have. But um, Joel, would you like to really
1: cement this win in uh, one of your surely, best performances? Surely Belgium won it with Justine Ennan and, and Kim Oh, Christ see, that's Christ the other one I was going for. Surely. They did. They won it once in 2001.
2: Oh, this has been a decimation. With them, yeah. Do you have either of the other two? They're tough. They're not
1: Argentina with Sabatini.
2: I have to say both of those are incorrect. So it would have ended Uh pretty quickly. Um, the final answers were South Africa who won it in 1972. Oh. Wow. And Slovakia who won it in 2002. So
3: mm, okay. Oh, Daniela Hantková.
2: Yes, yeah, she did indeed. She's um really, I mean, <laughs> what hasn't she done in a tennis court? Is that sport?
1: Dominika Sibulkova as well? Is that Slovakia?
2: Um yes, yeah, she is Slovakia. Yeah. yeah. I think that might have been a little bit before Was a bit too Sibulkova's early? time okay. potentially. Okay. I, I just check. wanted to try and flex check, and my
1: Slovakian uh, women's tennis knowledge.
2: I mean, maybe she was a junior playing in that team at the time. That's what I think is most likely. But Joel, the, the king or the queen, I should say, of the Billie Jean King Cup, um, the only person who is more prominent at the Billie Jean King
1: Cup is Billie Jean <laughs> King herself at this point. So, well done, Joel. I'm going to bask in that for the rest of the week, Kim. We should have you were gloating about Canada and your predictions, but it's now my my time uh, my time for gloating.
3: My naive hope that Britain had won the Fed Cup. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice way to go
2: out, though. You know, believing it in is, your nation. It?
3: Oh, I'm so kind. Anyway, let's uh, thank you very much. Well done, Joel. Listeners, let us know how you got on with that. Um, we're going to dip into the mailbag for this week because we had an email from Dominic. Thank you very much, Dominic, who said, Hello, Tennis Weekly. The new rules for this year's next gen finals have been announced. Which one are you most looking forward to seeing? So we have had a list of rules that have been announced for the Next Gen Finals. They're always at the sort of heart of innovation on the tour. Um, I mean, there's quite a lot, to be fair, to, to go through them. So maybe, Chris, Joel, do you want to pick out which rule is your favourite? What are you most looking forward to seeing out of the the many that have been announced?
1: I I am most looking forward to, I think it's got to be, no on court warm-up um, I think I think we've just seen on the tour this season just how long um, a tennis schedule can go Paris Masters uh, case in point and I think they should be always be looking at things that can help um, you know cut down t- on time on court and I think you know if you're putting six matches on an indoor court uh, a day well you could get rid of of potentially of, of six warm-ups so um, I quite like that they're bringing that in, um, and the fact that matches will start immediately um, after the co- after the coin toss. Goodness. I just think you should be ready. I just think you should be ready when you Crowds step on
2: the court. Clouds won't be ready for that, Joel. I mean, I, that's some of my favourite moments are when you're like, oh, they're warming up. We have time. We can get one more Pims. No, I think yeah.
1: I think it will make fans maybe even get there right right for right surely for the not start. the french
2: crowd if lunch is being served it won't change anything because at the,
1: at the moment it's a little bit like going to the cinema isn't it when when you see the time and you're like oh there's like 20 minutes of adverts so we can can turn I up a little it, bit yeah. later i think it's to
2: settle the nerves isn't it it's ma- the main reason because they've been warming up a couple of hours before i think people don't realize that that three minutes is not mm. actually the warm-up that they have so that's qu- i quite like that joel but for me i think one that probably actually i mean i talk about rafa quite a lot on this podcast kim but rafa would really suffer Ooh. at this because the match of eight seconds between first and second serves mm. i mean he is the probably the top culprit for getting that first serve up in time for the shot clock and then you know having a nice leisurely time before the second serve so that's one that does kind of annoy me because sometimes players do towel down between first and second serve and um I like the intensity of you know keeping the match going keeping the flow going so i would say that will be a fun one but do tell us that there are many more i believe right
3: there are i mean i i quite like this one uh the umpire chair umpire's chair is going to be lowered to reduce the visual obstruction for fans in the arena is
1: it just gonna be a chair is it just gonna be a chair on the court
2: (laughs) (laughs) goodness yeah spinning
3: round yeah i mean i think it's why why is the chair up so high i I mean could they could they knock off a foot or two perhaps you know generally especially if it's
2: electric um electronic line calling electric line calling but i mean that surely (laughs) should um should mean that you don't have to see everything you just got to make some better decisions on court
1: I mean I will say I feel like one criticism maybe of the next gen finals is the fact that we hear all these rules and how many did how many actually make it you know onto the the ATP and WTA tour proper uh, you know the ones we've just spoken about shot clock reductions no on court warm up do you see either of those making um we we will see actually uh, you know integrated on the tour or which one do you feel like is more likely you know we we could see um probably potentially no, no
2: warm up i reckon that's more likely because i think policing what oh, do you think i think I policing think
1: cl- shot clock,
3: clock. yeah, yeah. Really?
2: i think policing the shot clock is just impossible um And it does cause, like, a lot of issues, I think, in terms of different people have different rules. And, I mean, if they can't manage to start the shot clock at the right time before um, a player's getting ready to serve, then how do you do it from the first and second serve? Um, Mm. You feel like maybe it will make people get on with it a bit more, but at the same time, you will see a lot more double faults.
3: Yeah, and I guess, Joel, to your point, that it doesn't always seem to transfer. I think some of the innovations they're doing for the next gen, they're doing a lot of... um, Sort of sports science based ones. So the players are wearing like are these sort of um, wearable devices to track kind of biometric data, which is going to give like really good insights to their kind of physical Ooh. performance, stress responses. And I think all of that probably goes but elsewhere like to like physios mm. and those sorts of people who can use that um data perhaps and so perhaps it's not going to be like directly translated to what fans see but it you know other areas of tennis will, will benefit and i think that's quite quite interesting um, well, well Shot quality from as, as well biometric... Kim.
2: imagine you're on court at a change of ends and you find out your shot quality is really low one yeah, percent um, yeah, yeah exactly exactly so i do think that the data side of things will only become bigger in the sport i think all yeah. sport is becoming much more quantifiable in that sense and um I think that could be that could be interesting. I think it'd be interesting watching players get that feedback, and it does actually lead quite nicely to, you know, the interview that you did, Joel, where I think Patrick was talking about the idea of kind of getting more coaching, understanding more about how players respond to things, and it feels like it's kind of in that same vein.
1: Well, from one innovative event to another, yeah, I had an interview with Patrick Muratoglu, who is the mastermind of the UTS concept ultimate tennis showdown the grand final is coming up in london at the excel arena in mid-december there's a link in our description for tickets but yes i did have an interview with him and this is it now patrick thank you so much for coming on to the tennis weekly podcast we are very excited to have you on because it means we can talk about the uts grand final coming up in London at the Excel arena in December now for our listeners who don't know what UTS ultimate tennis showdown
0: is in a nutshell can you just can you just describe it for them absolutely so UTS is tennis but showed in a completely different way much more modern if we let's put it like this if we had to create tennis today what would it look like knowing what we know about how people consume? in today's world. So it is basically 45 minutes matches. Um the time will decide the end of the matches, it's not the score, it's the time. Uh we we count the points very simply like tie breaks. It's um it's uh, four times 8 minutes to be precise and but there is time in between, of course. It's short as you can hear it, but it's also very dynamic. There is no downtime. Interview at the player of the players at every changeover. There is a DJ during the match. Uh, In between every point, the players are uh, the coaches are able to coach their players during between every point. Uh, The code of conduct is extremely light, so the players have much more room to express any kind of emotions. Uh, We want it to be really modern, exciting. like a great show where the players are able to show much more and be much more themselves and the idea behind it is uh, to make uh, in 4 hours of time instead of seeing one and a half match you can see four different matches discover eight new eight players that you know already because it's only top players playing uh, and feel an, an incredibly exciting tennis that will also and that's the goal please the new generation because in today's world, the the fans of tennis are the same fans that we had in the 70s and the 80s and the young generation. Okay, we'll go to the stadium, but don't follow tennis all year long. And that's, what, that's the goal of UTS, to bring those people to tennis.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what's so interesting is that we've seen this season audiences and players, they love they love attending it. Um, what do you think is the one thing that you think is so compelling um, that it, it really engages and entertains uh, crowds who are coming in their droves and also the players as well?
0: Yeah, so the, the first UTS we've done uh, were Los Angeles and Frankfurt. We were sold out in both of them. So the crowd has loved it. Uh, we have incredible feedback and the players too. Why? Uh, because most of the players are young. They're between... Let's say twenty and twenty and thirty years old. So it's a young audience. They are, they are representing a young audience. So they they watch that type of content. They watch. Uh, they're on social media. They watch the streaming platforms. So they watch TV shows rather than movies. They're used to also short formats, dynamic formats, authenticity, all these things that uh, tennis doesn't bring because it's again an old format. So they love it, and the fact that they're completely free. It's something that they've said to me many times. We feel free to be completely ourselves. This is something they love also. Um, the prize one is great. I mean, there are only good reasons for them to to play UTS and they really enjoy and we they, they ask to play again when they participate, which is a very good sign. And
1: I've got to ask you about the... I think one of the things I love about UTS are the player nicknames. I feel like it's something the players love as well. Can you just give us an idea of... Where do those nicknames come from? Do they come from the players? Do they come from you? Uh, is it a bit of both? Is it their marketing team? Where Where does it come from?
0: Well, uh, I have a team who works on it, but my team works on it with the players, of course. We yeah. will not give a nickname to someone, to a player who doesn't like it. And sometimes <laughs> the idea comes from the players. Uh, sometimes some players have nicknames since um, they're young and f- they either kept it and they want they want they want it to be their nickname or they had nicknames and then it's not used anymore but they remember their old nicknames and they like it and they want to put it back or they they have an idea uh a lot of players have ideas actually about the nicknames they want <laughs> i imagine
1: there's quite a few that probably get discarded and you're like that's the that's the good one that's the good one um i've got to ask um you know you've worked with you've worked with with a lot of players in in your time and this season you've worked with coco goff i would love to know uh what nickname would you give to coco goff
0: wow i mean what stands out the most is her Court coverage, uh, the, how fast she is on a tennis court. I think she's the fastest of WTA by far on a tennis court. So something that has to to do with uh, who's so fast. Is there <laughs> like an Alex Menor, like a speed speed merchant type type type. Yeah, of name? is there, maybe if there is a superhero who's crazy fast? That would be perfect <laughs> for her. I'm Super- not. I'm not. I'm the not flash a, I'm not... the Flash. There we oh, go. The flash. <laughs> flash, but this is masculine, so we have to. To uh, find a girly, girly <laughs> with flash, and, and okay, then right, <laughs> I love it. I love it already. And there's another.
1: There's one other player I want to ask you what you think their nickname would be, and that is uh, Iga Swiatek. Year-end number one ranking in the books in in Cancun. What nickname would you give for Iga Swiatek if she played a UTS event?
0: Um, to find her nickname, I would think, what do the players feel when they play her and I think I think the players feel that she's a machine that there is no <laughs> way it's like a, a machine that is impossible to to uh, to make it fail mm. uh, so a machine is not very positive we have to find a better way to say that <laughs> uh, that's re- literally the idea mm. like she's like she's going and you can't stop her you can't stop her. Maybe, I like maybe, it. Maybe, I like maybe, it. maybe. Or
1: <laughs> um. I mean, already for the the grand final, we've got Kasper Ruud that's been announced. Andrew Rublev's going to be there. Gail Monfils. Um. Are there any other players you can give us a sneak peek on who will be there? I've heard some rumors that might be a local player playing for the uh for the GB fans. Can you can you enlighten us?
0: Yeah, of course. We have great news for you. We have Holger Runa, who's not a local player, but he's going to play. And we have a, a, a guy that you probably know called Draper. Oh, wow. So, yeah, he's going to play, and we're very excited to have him because uh, he's the future of uh, British tennis, but also uh, potentially the, the future of men's tennis, too. He has a huge potential. He's young. Yes, and a very exciting game is is uh, great. He's a guy that people love in in the UK, uh, and he'll be he'll be the local uh, superstar. So so that's a great news for us and for him too, I guess.
1: Yeah, and and for the fans, we're very excited to see him. I feel like you just can't get enough uh, Jack Draper, and uh, yeah, he's going well in Sofia. I saw he beat Massetti, the top seed, the other day. So yeah, he's uh, seems to be in some good form. Um, you know your your background. You know you you're a you're a super coach. You know, you coach Serena Williams. Um, you've coached lots and lots of top players. I'd love, to, I'd love to hear from you. what's What's the one piece of advice you would give um, to aspiring uh, tennis players, maybe at club level? What What would you, if you were in a room with them, what What would you say to them?
0: Um, okay, I, uh, there is one thing that is key for me: is the people that are around you, because you get. I mean, you, you get advice every day. Uh, their mindset is going to impact yours, so I would I would give that advice. Uh, surround yourself with people who value you and who have a kind eye on you, because if they are if they don't have that, they're going to criticize you all day, uh, every day, and I, we see that a lot. And this is going to affect you. On the person, as a person, uh, and and your confidence, uh, mm-hmm. and it's key for the future. So, uh, I think that's that's extremely important. Uh, I know, I know, it's in the cliches that a coach has to criticize. No, a coach has to value the people, value them, see what's great in them, and help them develop strength and their confidence. So the people that are around you are the key for your success. Mm-hmm. It is very important. Of course, when I say that, I'm a tennis coach. I I play for myself, but it's true. It's very yeah. really true. We've seen that a lot of times.
1: And I've got two final questions for you. Um, they're both related um, to you know, what's going on at the moment on the tour. Um, What's the one thing you would like to see change um, on the ATP and WTA tours in the future? I'm sure you've probably got lots and lots of things um, going on in in your head. But if there was one thing
0: you would like to see change, what would it be? I mean, if I had one thing, it would be the coaching, of course. Uh, It's the only sport that is still resisting to coaching. So slowly coaching comes in a bit more during the matches. But... I mean, it's so exciting to see, uh, to hear a coach uh, talk to his player, to hear an interaction. Mm. Because the player also talks to the coach. It's so interesting in terms of understanding what it is about the performance. Uh, I think for the fans, it's it's incredible. And I think uh, also it helps us discover the players better because when they express themselves in moments of of emotion, you, you get to know them better. So... In all the other sports, coaching moments are sometimes the best moments of the of the matches. So, and it's and it's our job. Our job is to coach the players, and of course before the matches, but also during the matches. So, we've 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 went a long way. It's 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 much better now. Now we're allowed to coach. But I would make it like something really uh, important. I mm. would mic up the, the coaches. I would leave them on the court, and and I would like to hear all those interactions who are making the show so much more exciting. And final,
1: final question. This is just, uh, I need two names from you. Who are your year-end number one singles ranking players on the ATP and WTA Tours at the end of next season? I want two names, one on the ATP Tour and one on the WTA Tour. End of
0: 2024?
1: Yes. Um... I know it's a very tough question, but it's it's one we ask. It's one we're asking our guests at the moment. Uh, I'm really curious to see who you're going to say.
0: Uh, Novak Djokovic, because I think he's going to dominate uh, next year again, and uh, Coco Golf.
1: Oh, okay, interesting. Like it, I like it. Well, thank you so much, Patrick, for taking the time once again to come on to the Tennis Weekly podcast. Um, it was an absolute pleasure. We're really, really excited to uh, to get down in person to see. UTS at the Grand Final in London at the Excel Arena in mid-December. So we're looking forward to that. And uh, thanks again once more for coming on to the show.
0: Thank you very much for the invitation. See you very soon in London.
1: It's so interesting when I asked him about the year-end number one ranking for next season, he went with Novak Djokovic and Coco Goff. I, for some reason, was expecting him to say uh, Novak Djokovic and Igor um again. So, I, yeah, what did you what did you guys make of that?
2: I mean, well, I wouldn't bet against Djokovic. I think that one's pretty much mm. a, a dead cert. But I did notice, Joel, you did put him on the spot a lot. I mean, and then you agreed with what he said. I think you kind of had to with the super coach because he does obviously know it. It's so dead, hard not
1: to. He was, you're so, like, Absolutely. he was so nice and smiley. Yeah. And I was like, yes, I agree. You are the oracle of, of tennis coaching. This is
2: going to be a nightmare for our predictions now. Joel is going to predict Djokovic and Coco <laughs> Goff for everything because Patrick told him that. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Well, Joel, great interview. You must have hit it off because uh, Patrick's very kindly given us a couple of tickets to, to give away. So as we are the official podcast of the UTS Grand Final in London, we are offering a lucky listener the chance to win a pair of tickets for the night session on Friday the 15th of December at the XL Arena. Our lucky winner will also get a behind the scenes tour.
1: And who knows, you may even bump into a player or two. So how do you enter this competition? Well, for your chance to win, all you have to do is follow us on social media at Tennis Weekly Pod, like our competition post and tag a friend that you would like to bring with you to the UTS Grand Final.
2: There is a maximum of two entries per person. It's one per social channel on Instagram and Twitter. And the competition closes on Thursday, the 23rd of November at midnight. The winners will be announced on our Davis Cup Finals podcast recorded live from Malaga on the 24th of November. So listen in and find out if you're our lucky winner. I'm excited already. They might even bump into you, Joel, with the <laughs> moustache.
3: I'll wear my white hat. Please come see us as well. Definitely won't be bumping into Tomeya Bashinsky though. Um... <laughs> Um, but talking about WTA like let's move on because UTS we've got very much looking forward to that so listeners do get liking uh, our post once it's up follow us on social media tag a friend Uh, we'd love to have you join us for the UTS grand final but we're going to just have a look now at the WTA calendar for next year because that has been announced it's been unveiled there has been some nice graphics uh, out in the media which uh, details the the dates and Tournament, Nice nice um, graphics
1: that don't include Elena Rabakina, I will, will just quickly add there.
3: Oh, okay. Which uh, some people are maybe reading into. Some people, I mean, given her, given her uh,
1: <laughs> a battle, I think, with the WTA Tour across I mean, the season.
2: Has... still made it in, though. so Yeah.
3: yeah. And Zachary. Zachary's there is for that, the uh, grass. Yes, yeah, she that is. That's a, that's a bit the of the an odd case? one, isn't it? <laughs> but
2: Beijing <laughs> yeah. has nobody, so that definitely could have been um on um on that page of the yeah. calendar yeah. but or what Chinese do you think player. about it I the mean, calendar Joel Jing
1: Jing. I just think the WTA have actually got they've got something right I think they've got the they they've, they've got on the front foot I feel like they've always been playing catch up when it comes to events we saw the mess that was uh, you know the WTA tour finals in cancun um so to see them actually put out full calendar right now before we're even getting into 2024 i think is a positive step yes there are i think some eyebrow raising questions about the the tour and the tournaments going on uh in that calendar but i just think having released the calendar you know, before the t- before the season starts is a is a good positive. It's unprecedented step. from unprecedented, the WTA. Yes. Exactly.
2: Normally we don't get a chance to kind of look ahead like this, but I mean there are a couple of things I'm a little bit sad about. Um Eagers Father's Tournament in Warsaw doesn't make it anymore, but maybe that's because of the two fifty rules changing and we do lose um, you know, favourites like Cluj, unfortunately. But I mean it is a full calendar. And there are definitely um, a few a few losses amongst that, but we are returning to Asia, and we still don't have a WTA Finals location for 2024.
1: So I think it's it's quite sad though that the, the Guad- Guadalajara has gone down from a 1,000 uh, to a 500. Which... Is, is that sad though?
2: Because last time it was Dollar Dollarhide Zachary in the final, yeah, so okay. I feel like that was yeah. a 500 final. Yeah, you know? fair enough. I, maybe that's too harsh, but. Kim, what event would you say you're most looking forward to? Is it one of the changes such as San Diego being before the warm-up for Indian Wells? That's quite interesting.
3: Yeah, I suppose that's, that's that does make geographical sense. Uh, I think there's other instances where geographical sense has not been followed. But um, yeah, I think, I mean, I quite li- I like the fact they've kept, you know, the, the Aussie kind of swing at the start of the year. I think having Adelaide and Hobart obviously makes sense that you can't really fiddle around too much with with that time of the year can you so it's good that they've
2: they've kept that um a lot of two weeks kim as well a lot of two week tournaments yeah yeah i've just noticed that
3: yeah um obviously the grass court season remains intact which is good um but yeah i I think there's there's issues obviously i think making the season longer they've they've not um you know there's there's only like one 250 before like Roland Garros there's 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 multiple kind of issues with it but I think the fact they've actually published it is a bonus um aside from the the WTA final so I think it's still progress even though there's lots of things that you know a lot of fans are not happy about and players will be I'm I'm still not Um, sure
1: about playing 500s the week before Grand Slams which they've got in place for all four Grand Slams I always see that week as the week like you don't want the top top players playing that you 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 know 250s yes but I'm not sure about 500s
2: yeah I think it does cause a few problems and um it won't have the best lineup always I think we've seen a lot of players withdraw and I think that's the problem because when they have their warm-up done they're like don't want to cause a problem going into a slam so that is one where I wouldn't mind a 250 like a Strasbourg you know before a French Open a 250 week um which I think works quite nicely, but Strasbourg's at 500 now. So I think it's, um it's, it, we'll see how it pans out. But importantly, we have a calendar. The ladies know where they're going for the first time <laughs> at the end of 2023.
3: Yeah, Seems such a basic ask, doesn't it? But at least we've, we've got it for this year. Um, but let's look at what's happening this week uh, on the tour because we've got the ATP Tour Finals, obviously in Turin. Uh, today, we've got Sitspas and Runa. Uh, And then djokovic Sinner tonight, Uh, Alcaraz and Rublev tomorrow and Medvedev-Zverev. So, yeah, still all to play for based on what we've seen in the opening match. Are you still sticking with your predictions from last week? Are we still going Djokovic? Because I certainly am.
2: I think we might see Runa in the semifinals. I think that match was very entertaining. And I wouldn't mind if they ended up in a bit of a funny turn having two players from well they played again i quite like it when you get one of those strange things where you play twice in a tournament mm. um Rematch. that would be maybe my prediction but i think Sinner's looking pretty good at the moment so
1: oh, i think Sinner's going to defeat jokovic tonight really I'm, I'm pushing the boat out of my predictions i know i normally go safe but that's my if this I've doesn't make it into the
2: podcast joel we'll know why when you're <laughs> editing
1: <laughs> kim come
2: on just just put us out of our misery who's winning
3: Novak Djokovic I mean I'm gonna go and you know be very much Patrick Moritoglu here I think he's gonna win this title I think he's going to be year and number one next year he's so hard to get every record against, so I'm ever. just gonna stick with Djokovic but um <laughs> every record ever he will get um but yeah we'll be back next week to to round up on what does happen the rest of the week in Turin
1: Yes, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed our latest episode of the Tennis Weekly Podcast. Remember to subscribe to us to stay up to date on all the actions still to come from the ATP and WTA Tours with the Davis Cup Finals still to come next week in Malaga.
3: We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all major podcasting platforms out there. And if you like what you're hearing, then make sure to leave us a rating and review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify.
2: You can also follow us on social media or email the show. We're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and X. And the handle is Tennis Weekly Pod. So do make sure you check out our social channels because we're posting the full video of the Patrick Morotoglu interview with Joel. So if you'd like to see both of them, hit it off. Um, then you can watch that on all of our social channels. And also we'll have some clips. So do follow us because we'll have some very exciting things coming from Malaga as well. You can also purchase Tennis Weekly merch. And that's at etsy.com slash shop slash podcast. You can email the show at tennisweeklypod at gmail.com or check out our website, tennisweekly.co.uk.
1: And we will be back next week at Tennis Weekly HQ for our next tour catch-up, our final tour catch-up of the season brought to you by the UTS Grand Final. So I hope you can join us for that. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Kim. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Chris. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We'll see you again soon.